0: Welcome back to the Profit Your Knowledge podcast. Today we're talking about LinkedIn strategy and I have just the expert for this. This is Danielle Kobo. She's not specifically strictly just LinkedIn strategy. She does a lot of things, but we were discussing that LinkedIn is something I haven't had anyone on the show talk about yet. And it's a huge opportunity for experts, especially if you're in kind of the business space too, and just, you know, coaching or anything like that. And you want to get your message out there. Amazing platform and uh, Danielle, said that she's going to try and convince me that I need to be on LinkedIn by the end of this. So I have my own questions and this will be really fun to dive into. How are you doing today, Danielle?
1: I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing awesome. Super excited about this. Like I said, first person to talk about LinkedIn. So let's uh, let's dive into this. I want to hear first and foremost, you know, you're an expert. You've been doing this stuff for a while. Uh, what Made you decide to become an entrepreneur first off, and then how did you kind of get into doing the work that you're doing today?
1: That's a great question because I had no intentions of starting a business. I actually went through a period of my life where a big I had a lot of shifts in my life. 2020, like most of us, was a year of shifts and disruption, and in 2020, uh, through a series event, my husband had just returned home from serving a deployment in Iraq, and as he's reintegrating into our life at home with now toddlers, which are two and a half years old, and I was in. So we're kind of reintegrating in. Then my mom passed away, so this moments of gratefulness that he's home, he's safe. Then I lose my mom, and I'm trying to cope and process what had just happened, and then the pandemic hit. And then right after the pandemic hit, the company that I was with had been acquired and I had been there for seven years and it became a very, very toxic work culture. And so why is this important? Well, because in this moment of feeling lost and feeling like I didn't know what this next phase of my life was going to look like, I started to get on LinkedIn. And for the first time in over two decades, I was now unemployed. (laughs) And I was going, gosh, I better start really looking at what is my brand presence and how can I convey my expertise on LinkedIn and start developing and building my brand so that instead of me wasting my time applying to jobs online, which statistically the average online position has over 250 applications. And so how am I going to stand out in a crowded market and so saturated out there? I said, well, why don't I develop my brand on LinkedIn? And at first, I just started posting on LinkedIn just inspirational quotes. It was 2020. We were all just, there was the world was in disarray. There was a lot of negativity out there in the world. We were, It was about to go into the political landscape that we were in. And so I said, How can I just start sharing some positivity? And then I started to get some comments and feedbacks, and people started to really engage and liking on my comments. And then I said, Well, If I want to step into a leadership position, why don't I start sharing some of my successes and my failures and what I learned along the way of leading a team for a Fortune 500 company? And then people started to reach out to me and say, well, will you mentor me? It's like, "Ah, I don't have a job right now. Sure. Why not? It'd be something fun to do. I get to give back. And then at the end of me mentoring a couple people on helping them get their next job, Each one of them said, you really need to do career coaching. And I said, okay, that sounds great, but what is a career coach? (laughs) I didn't even know what one was. Mm -hmm. And eventually, I say, I accidentally started a business because what happened with me starting to post on LinkedIn ended up within two and a half years, me building a community from 2,500 to 27,000 to starting a business, to writing a book. To launching a top rated global podcast. And that's where I'm at today.
0: Wow. So cool. Happened so fast, too. It's like the internet's just a crazy place because something just takes off and you're like, whoa, whole different place. Um, that's amazing. So you're getting a little bit of traction, just kind of like spreading the positivity. People start commenting, engaging, and stuff and then it just turns into mentorship and you're like, "Whoa, accidentally fell across this. Super cool." Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just curious, you know, cuz there's people who listen to the show who are getting started out um on their journey. Did you have any kind of like doubts or imposter syndrome related to teaching like stuff you knew even though you were apparently good at it, which people are good at things and then people are like, "You should turn this into a business." But then we shoot ourselves in the foot. So, did you have any kind of those doubts and if so, how did you kind of navigate through that?
1: I would say I absolutely had those doubts and even still today I still sometimes have doubts because I remember when people were telling me you should be a career coach and I said well first off what is a career coach and then second to that um I how do I qualify myself as a career coach what experience do I have to be even considered a coach or a consultant and it took me there's an exercise that I actually will work with my clients through where we're kind of I work with a lot of job seekers and a lot of times they're saying, "Well, I don't have industry experience or I don't have any experience in that particular role that I'm applying to." And I said, "No, but let's also look at your transferable skills." So this is an exercise that I do for my that I did for myself, but I also do for my clients, is I say, "Take out a piece of paper and write down all of your accomplishments over your career." What are some of the successes? What are some of the failures that you've experienced and what steps did you take to overcome them? Are there any awards that you have? By the time that people go through the the list of things that they've done, you know, for me, I'd been in my career for 15 years, I had a lot of accomplishments. I had earned four consecutive sales awards for top sales performance. I had been a region manager by the time I was 30 years old. I had earned region manager of the year. I had led a team for a Fortune 500 company for seven years. So for me to even think that I didn't have the experience or the expertise to call myself a career coach, yet I had seven years of experience hiring people, helping people get promoted into various roles, leading a team to number one in the nation through the upheavals of restructuring and downsizing. I had the firsthand experience that I, when I look at a lot of coaches out there, They'll get, they'll understand the theories behind coaching, but they may not have that firsthand experience of building high-performing teams. And that was something the unique that I had. That was my, that was my unique X factor.
0: Yeah. I love that. I think that people are much, we're much greater than we think that we are, you know, and it's so easy just to think about what we could improve or work on instead of celebrating all the wins and acknowledging those victories that we've had along the way that give us the confidence to move forward. And I think that I think that's such a great tip and a great exercise for people. So with LinkedIn, you're posting, you really start realizing that, wow, this is actually turning into something. Um, I've dabbled in LinkedIn, I've been on and off, you know, in different things. I actually started a whole new profile. So I have a whole fresh profile where I change up like the banner and a couple things. And I was just like, it's not my priority because I'm just focusing on other things. Um, but as you've gained more experience in LinkedIn, you know, to grow your business and even helping other people leverage LinkedIn to grow their business. What do you feel has become more important uh, in that and why?
1: I think first and foremost for entrepreneurs and business owners is pick a platform and master that platform. Because even though LinkedIn has been very successful for me, that's where 100% of my business comes from, that may not be the platform for your business. So sometimes people, the best platform for them, depending on the demographics of the people that they work with, it might be TikTok, it might be Instagram, it might be Facebook. So really understanding your target market and understanding where they spend their time and the information that what platform they're looking for to seek that information, master that platform. And then once you've mastered that, then expand on to the other ones. For me, I work with corporate professionals. So my the people that I work with are either looking for a job either looking to get promoted or they're in corporate and they want to start a business and they're wondering what steps do I take and what steps do I avoid to grow my business so a lot of my the people that I work with are on LinkedIn and there's different strategies i mean first and foremost there's it's understanding your social selling index so we're going to kind of di- dig into the the nitty-gritty strategy and tactics of LinkedIn First, understand your social selling index. Your social selling index, also known as your SSI score, is how LinkedIn measures your brand presence. So it looks at four different factors. It looks at your profile. Do you have a comprehensive profile? It looks at are you engaging in meaningful conversations with people? Are you connected to the right people? And are you building relationships with those people? And so once you have an understanding of what your SSI score is, then from there, you're going to determine where you're going to be spending on your time on LinkedIn to increase your SSI score. So a good SSI score where you want to really strive for is a 70 or above, but also keep in consideration a 70 or above with the community that you have and i I don't call them followers i call them community because Mm. linkedin is all about is building meaningful relationships so you're building a community on linkedin you're not just trying to get instagram followers and and, and engage in conversations so a 70 score with somebody who's got thirty thousand is very different than people than a 70 with a score with people who have a thousand so i would say the first step is understanding your ssi score
0: Yeah. So in terms of that, that's really cool. I've never like thought about LinkedIn again. I'm not a LinkedIn expert, um, LinkedIn, it is a really cool platform. And I feel like it does really favor you as long as you play the game, right? You know, like most people don't think of the SSI score, but like a Facebook profile, I can just create one and get into some groups and stuff. And there's not really like too much of a setup process. You know, in my experience, when you go into LinkedIn, it's like, make sure you get this, make sure you get this, make sure you add your bio, your banner. And there's like, it walks you through the prompts of like your, your profile is almost complete to what their standard is. So it sounds to me that part of the SSI score is going through all of their prompts and, you know, keeping your brand really focused of like having the right kind of people and if everything matches, then it kind of like hacks the algorithm in a way where it can start to boost you. Is that correct?
1: Yes. And, and to more of an extent to that. So there's a couple of different ways to really entice the algorithms to work in your favor. Number one, you have to have a comprehensive LinkedIn profile. So on your LinkedIn profile, everything from ensuring that you have a professional headshot, then your headline. So your headline automatically defaults to the most recent position that you've held. So you actually want to customize your headline incorporating what your value proposition statement is. Basically, who do you serve and how do you serve them? Then you want to have a cover photo. So that's at the very top because once people click on your profile, they see your they see your cover, they see your image, your profile image, then they see your headline, then they click on your profile, then they look at your cover photo. Then you want to have your about section. Your about section, you could have up to 2,500 characters on your about section, but you want to ensure that it's SEO optimized for the types of people that are going to be searching for that type of profile. In addition, you want it to have some white space. Uh, LinkedIn does not like a lot of heavy text and they know it's because most people don't spend more than seven, 10 seconds on a profile before they either say, yes, I want to work with this person or no, I don't. So you don't want to have a lot of heavy text. However, you want to be very strategic about the SEO keywords that you use on your text, on your profile. Then you want to go into your experience, ensure that your experience from every job that you've held, you have a detailed description of what your job was and what the the accomplishments were. Even if they're not relatable to the particular current business that you currently have now, you still want to make sure that every job is filled out because it tells the story of your career, what led you to have the skill sets that you currently have now. Hmm. Then you have your targeted skills. Your targeted skills, you can have up to 50 targeted skills. And then you get into recommendations and you can also feature different articles that you've written onto your profile. So a comprehensive profile, it's, it's a lot more than just kind of setting it up. You really want to ensure that it's optimized to attract the type of people that you want to attract.
0: Yeah. Uh, that's, that's smart. Uh, something interesting about LinkedIn too, that I learned from, from my business coach and he's like, he, he, he's not super techie, but he's uh, he's really good at what he does, but he was like, If you just type in his name in Google, his LinkedIn profile is the first thing that pops up and then people were typing in their names into Google and their LinkedIn profile was the first thing that would pop up above like blog posts and things like that. So there's like some connection that LinkedIn has with Google that just cuts straight through, um, which is pretty interesting because I don't think that really happens with any other platforms.
1: Mm hmm. And so why is that beneficial to know? So when I'm writing articles, I will write articles every single week. I'll post the article on my website. That's going to drive SEO on my website. I also take that same article and I post it on LinkedIn and I have over 5,000 subscribers that are subscribed to my newsletter. Mm -hmm. So then they see my newsletter. So if someone were to research specifically how to build a comprehensive LinkedIn profile my article may pop up and it may be, depending on the way the SEO is working in my favor or not, either LinkedIn, that article for LinkedIn is gonna pop up or the article on my website. But even if the article for LinkedIn pops up, it's still gonna, at the very end, I put in my bio, I put in my website, it drives people to my website. So that's how you can strategically use the newsletters as well.
0: Mm. Yeah, what is the uh, the LinkedIn newsletter? I've heard about it, but how does it kind of work?
1: It's just a way for you to share information. So some people, depending on your expertise, you're just going to have a weekly or bi monthly newsletter that people subscribe to. And the benefit of having the newsletter is that newsletter. Every time that you, uh, every time that you post a new newsletter, it automatically notifies all of your subscribers. So the way that the algorithms worked every time you post on LinkedIn. You, when you post on LinkedIn, if your social selling index score is 70, that means only 7% of the people that are following you in your community are seeing that post. So if you were to subscribe, if you were to have a newsletter, that viewable, uh, the viewers may increase because you have a higher subscriber than your SSI score.
0: Mm. Interesting. Interesting. So you just repurpose your blog post and put it into your I mean repurpose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For the yeah. listener repurpose. That's it. That's all it yeah. is. Repurpose. I take as whatever as you can. the
1: the blog that i write for my website i take that same blog i write it for for linkedin so mm-hmm. if i have people that are in my community on linkedin they have access to the newsletter if they're following me on my website then they have access to the newsletter on my website as well
0: yeah that's awesome so what's kind of your what's your strategy with linkedin in terms of you know generating business obviously getting your profile dialed in get your ssi score to 70 or above when it comes to you know your publishing schedule the type of content that you post what, what's kind of the rhythm that you found? I'm not going to say it's correct for everybody, but what's worked Mm -hmm. for you? And then how does that lead to, to business for you?
1: Yeah. So what's worked for me is, and I say this because I wasn't intending in starting a business is my posts. I started to share insightful information. I started to share, you know, what are some, what are the five things that hiring managers are looking for in a candidate? Or if you want to start a business, how do you gain clarity on, on what your first steps are? Or how do you gain clarity on what your target market is, the type of person that you want to work with? As many people will say, the avatar client that you want to work mm-hmm. with. So I'll start to share those insights. And what happens is, is people start to follow the content and what happens in in marketing, they say it takes about seven touch points before somebody wants to work with you. So that's just one of the touch points where they might say, okay, I'm following Danielle on LinkedIn. I really like her content. content. Maybe I'll Subscribe to her podcast, or maybe I'll subscribe to her newsletter. And then they'll say, Oh, well, you know what? I'd really like to kind of hear some more. So maybe I'll subscribe to the Unstoppable Grip podcast and I'll hear Danielle on the podcast. And then eventually, by the time they get to me, I will ask them, How did you hear about me? Mm-hmm. And a lot of times it's, Oh, well, I started following you on LinkedIn and then I started to listen to your podcast and now I'm reaching out to you now. So you're building that know, like, and trust factor and you're showing your expertise when you're sharing content on LinkedIn.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And then your podcast comes into it, or if you have a YouTube channel, all of them are different resources. Cause yeah, Mm -hmm. the touch point thing, like if people aren't very familiar, like any post, uh, the podcast, all that is a touch point. So it's just, I think it's really important early on, especially to create an ecosystem that's always working for you and doing those different touch points, you know, and then they get on your newsletter, every email you're sending another touch point, and then it leads to a product or to book a call with you, obviously Mm -hmm. some sort of call to action that's a smart way to do it (laughs) instead of always just hunting for people in DMS, you know, and stuff like that. And not having kind of that system ecosystem that you have. Um, so yeah, this is, this is all great stuff and basically sharing your expertise, creating conversations with people. Do you ever do kind of like specific call to action posts? And if so, how often do you do them? Or do you just kind of wait until people message you and you just focus on delivering great value?
1: I think there's a couple different approaches. One of them is sometimes I just post and I'll share insightful information. But at the end of each post, I do have a call to action, which is like this post, ring my bell to follow me. So if you were to go to my profile and you were to ring my bell on my profile, that means you're going to get notified anytime that I have a post. And you could be among the first people to comment on it. And when that kind of helps the algorithms, also, if you want to get in the radar of somebody else... If you ring their bell and you're the first to comment, you're starting to get on their radar as well. So, um, And then I also have a call to action. Want to learn more on how to do XYZ, depending what the post is, I'll say, send me a DM. And then that way they can contact me. In addition, depending on the newsletter, so if I have a newsletter that talks about the 10 steps to building an impactful and profitable business, at the very end of that newsletter, I can include a call to action that says, schedule, are you thinking about starting a a business? Schedule a career discovery call with me and we can discuss what steps to take and support you in achieving your goals and starting your business. So Mm -hmm. you can include a call to action in your posts and you can include a call to action in your newsletter. Mm. I would say the one watch out is, is there have been a lot of people that have misused LinkedIn and they have started to infiltrate and go into people's sending them messages, just trying to pitch them on their services right away. Mm. I don't think anybody likes that no matter what platform you're on.
0: Seven touch points. That's one. (laughs) <laughs> and yeah, you're making exactly. an offer, which is why it doesn't work.
1: No, it doesn't work. And so instead, create your no like, and trust factor. But how you can be strategic of starting to build relationships with the type of people that you want to work with is there's actually ways within LinkedIn that you can create searches and you can specifically connect with the people that you want to work with or that if you want to sell to, you can do that through LinkedIn as well.
0: Mm. Cool. So I'm sure that people listen to this episode and they're like, this sounds like cool. I can see opportunity and it it can feel like shiny object syndrome, uh, which a lot of things can, anything, you know, people are successful on every platform because it worked for them. That's where their audience is, whatever, all the stuff you've been mentioning in this episode. And it creates this overwhelm. And you said to focus on one good platform, but we wanna be efficient. I'm a fan of less is more. I was a productivity coach before I went into online business. That's where I learned about digital products and automations and all that cool stuff. And I just, I don't wanna be working all the time and don't wanna enjoy the work that I do. So part of what you do, Danielle, is that you help people grow their income, find their dream job, this sort of stuff. Uh, And like team management and all that sort of stuff, but you also help people with burnout. So I'm curious, how do you manage your time and focus throughout the day so that you don't burn out, but still get everything done when it comes to LinkedIn and your business?
1: Well, right now I have a team. So I would say in the beginning, I was doing everything myself. So I do use a lot of tools to help with efficiency. Number one is I come up with a lot of ideas randomly on what my posts are. Maybe somebody had, I was talking with a friend and they had they asked me for particular advice on growing their business. And so I'll give them advice. And I'm like, oh, that would actually be a really good post. So I have a notes page opened up on my phone where I will just jot down different notes on a particular post. I'll email it to myself And then I have a folder. And once a month, I go into that folder and I take all of my ideas and I create my posts for about a month's worth of posts. Then I schedule them in Canva, or you can use any other platform like Later or some other platforms that are out there. Buffer is another one. So you can schedule the posts, and I'll schedule them a month out. And then um, every single day for about 30 minutes, I go on LinkedIn before my post is scheduled to post I'll comment on a couple people's posts then my post will go out live and then I'll comment on a couple other people's posts and that there's the what's called the golden hour the golden hour is the most important hour where if people are commenting on your post you want to re you want to engage in their comments because that's going to increase the algorithm so that more people can see your posts mm. so I've had posts be viewed up to 120,000 people on some of my posts. And I believe it's because uh, not only are, are am I engaging in the, the comments, but I'm also commenting on other people's posts. So again, LinkedIn looks at, are you building meaningful connections?
0: Mm, right. Uh, yeah. I think that having the right kind of tools, cause it's difficult, you know, when you're, when you're solo, obviously having a team is great. Um, I'm bringing on team members myself in my business. It's just like when you start actually bring. I think that, you know, the sooner you can bring on at least an assistant or something, yeah. the better off you are, like you're ready now, uh, even if you're getting started, uh, cause you start to, I think it's good to find kind of a baseline of something that works for you. But when you start getting in a, in a rhythm, you can realize like, Oh my gosh, I can, just delegate this to this person. I I don't need to actually be doing this because like the things you need to be doing are things that require your face and your voice, you know, or if you're creating the actual content, you know, but like all the behind the scenes is a great saying uh, that I heard from a productivity book. I forgot the name of it, but it was, if you don't have an admin, you are an admin. And I was like, that is so freaking true.
1: <laughs> I say I wanna be working on my business. I don't wanna be working in my business. Yeah. So if there's particular tasks that I could could be delegating out so that I can be spending more of my time servicing my clients, then I'm gonna to try to delegate out. And there are so many tools when it comes to creating content, like ChatGPT, WordTune, Grammarly, mm-hmm. uh, that you could be taking any of these concepts that you created. So when I go into my folder, And I have these emails that I've emailed myself and they're just kind of snippets of ideas. I can take that snippet of idea and I could put it into ChatGPT and it's going to formulate it all nice. And there's different prompts that I have in ChatGPT that I've customized. So that's another, that's a whole nother conversation when it comes to productivity. But there's so many tools out there to make it easier and also to make it so that you could delegate it out
0: yeah yeah i I learned this from a mentor of mine but it's just like the three-step process is eliminate automate and then delegate because it's crazy how much we can automate nowadays and i think people they overlook that and go straight to delegation which is fine you know and sometimes not everything is best suited for automation it's better to be delegated um but yeah automations are huge and elimination is huge too because you could be like automating and delegating but it's things that don't actually move the needle so that's why Mm -hmm. you have to eliminate first and foremost um Awesome stuff. Well, Danielle, based on your career thus far, what's something you wish someone would have told you early on about being an entrepreneur? Oh,
1: I would say that everything that in my corporate world has prepared me to where I'm at today. And I didn't realize it at the time, but I think about a, being an entrepreneur is hard. And I think that a lot of people you'll go on, don't, co- oh, I would say this, don't compare your step three to somebody's step 10. Because I've fallen into that trap a lot where I was newer in my business and I would go on Instagram and I would go on LinkedIn and I would see these people and they would say, you could be making a million dollars and I did it in three years. And I said, well, first off, you don't know they're back into the business. Are they talking about revenue? Or are they talking about profit? Or are they talking about net? Also, did um, they
0: start doing Facebook ads when they were brand new, and it was like ten yeah. cents a lead? Like whole different ballgame.
1: Exactly. And I don't know who did they know when they first started. So don't compare your step ten to somebody's your your step two to somebody's step ten. And also look back at your career and think about what has shaped you into the person that you are, and what has what some skill sets you learned over the years that are going to translate into this new business that you're currently looking into doing
0: Mm. yeah love that advice so so helpful danielle you are a wealth of knowledge and i really appreciate you for coming onto the show we're going to bring this in for a landing but where can people learn more about you and get connected You
1: can learn more about me on LinkedIn. (laughs) So that's definitely the platform that I am and that I'm on. But a lot of these principles that I do talk about too, about building a business, you can pick up the copy of my book, Unstoppable Grit, Breakthrough the Seven Roadblocks Standing Between You and Achieving Your Goals. And it's available on Amazon.
0: Awesome. We'll make sure we put some links down in the description for the listener. We talked a lot about LinkedIn, um, the SSI factor, getting that up to 70%. I'm sure you can just Google if you wanna learn more or better yet, reach out to Danielle on LinkedIn and she'll walk you through exactly what to do, kind of give you a roadmap and help you out or check out her content in general. She'll talk about that. Um, Yeah, I mean, LinkedIn, it sounds like a great platform. I mean, obviously we could talk for three more hours about LinkedIn strategy and whatnot, but it's helped Danielle grow her business to where it is today where she has a full team. This is like her thing Uh, and that's possible for you too. And she just kind of started and started posting (laughs) inspirational comments and quotes and stuff. And then it turned into mentorship and just going along with the ride and the process If people are asking you for mentorship. And it's something that you might want to do, you know, like give, give it a shot, you know, and there's, there's going to be mental barriers you run into, but you gotta just lean into it. If it, if it feels right, I'm definitely a fan of like intuition and if it's feeling right, you know, seems fun, give it a shot and dip your toes in at least. And at some point your business really focused on creating this ecosystem, creating automations um, and bringing on your own team so that you don't have to be working all the time. That's really the secret sauce because then you have more of a business and you're actually the business owner instead of just being the admin and the business owner and the editor and everything else. So lots of cool stuff. Maybe listen to this episode again and definitely reach out to Danielle because she is legit. Biggest thing though, is that you take action. Implementation is your only superpower. So take what you learned here, get out there and make something happen. We'll see you in the next one.